So you finally left your narcissist and this time you really mean it. Let me be the first one to tell you congratulations, all right? And kudos to you. You've been through hell. It was so hard to pick yourself up and get out of there, but you finally did it. You're officially narc free, or at least more so than you were before. Woo now I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to congratulate yourself. You did it. But wait, is that it? Is it over? Well, not so fast. That's what we're talking about today at queenbeing.com. What do you do once you've left a narcissist? What's next? Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse in toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. So if that sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button let's get going all right so you got out of there the relationships over whether you left or they left you it's over but now what you're done well not so fast there are a few more things to consider starting with the narcissist him or herself you have to remember all those times you left before do you remember those times you left before or the times you wanted to leave before do you know why you went back or why you never left at all well, it's the narcissist cycle of abuse. It starts with love bombing and idealization. It moves into devalue, discard, and finally comes back around to hoovering. The narcissist somehow manages to suck you back in. It's that last part that kept you around in the first place or brought you back before. The, then the love bombing, the devalue, the discard. Well, it all continues per usual, right? So be careful. Take a moment when you get a chance and watch this video on how to avoid the hoover maneuver because it's gonna help you be aware and make appropriate changes and take appropriate action so that you don't get stuck in the same stuff again, all right? Now, you might be dealing with no contact, and if that's the case, watch this. It'll help. And if you're dealing with co-parenting or parallel parenting with a narcissist, check this out. It's gonna save you from falling back into drama and abuse. This leads me to my next point. You're gonna go through a mourning period. Be aware of that. There are going to be ups and there are going to be downs. It's going to involve the standard five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Watch this video and get the scoop. Now, since you're no longer falling for the narcissist crap and you're getting through those grief stages, you're going to want to be careful of one more thing. Don't let the narcissist keep having free rent in your brain. Clear your mind every time you start thinking about the narcissist. Take a look at this video for some tips on how to do that. But what now? Well, let's talk about energy and how it affects you and what effect your emotions have on that stuff. Shall we? Watch this. What's the link between emotion and energy? If you want to start feeling more energetic and getting more done, think about the way you're managing your emotions. Emotion and energy levels are intimately linked and understanding this connection is the key for many people who want to feel awake and productive. Why does emotion affect our energy? The brain is essentially a large web of connected neurons, which psychologists call the connectome. The connectome fires as we experience various things in the world or as we remember certain things. This then creates a variety of different subjective experiences for each of us. At the same time, our brain's unconscious processes pay close attention to the nature of what we're focused on and then produce neurotransmitters accordingly. So if what you're seeing is important, your brain will produce things like dopamine, which makes us feel more motivated and helps us to remember things better. If what we're seeing makes us scared and is associated with pain or bad things happening, 
will produce norepinephrine or adrenaline and become more focused and anxious. These same things then in turn affect our energy levels and when we're alert and focused, this triggers changes in the sympathetic nervous system that increases our heart rate, our circulation, our muscle tone, all to make us switched on and productive. On the other hand, when something seems dull and uninteresting, our brain tells us we're safe and we can go back to relaxing. The brain will produce GABA and melatonin which settles us down and makes us sleep. The optimal emotional state for energy. Let's start there. Boredom then is absolutely fatal for energy levels. So if you're feeling exhausted and burnt out, one of the very best things you can possibly do is switch up your environment. Or just do something to make the task you're working on right now more interesting. This will immediately tell your brain something interesting is going on and you'll be able to become more alert and awake again. This is also why depression and sadness are so bad for your energy levels. So when you're depressed, when you struggle to be interested in anything you care about, by doing something that makes you happy, you can produce serotonin and oxytocin, which will make you more positive and interested again. This is why spending time with friends, laughing, or even exercising are so energizing. If you understand this link, you'll change the way you perceive certain events and this will raise your energy levels throughout your entire day. Seriously, what do you think about that? What about your environment? How does that affect your energy? How does your environment affect your energy? Well, let's talk about that. Watch this. So how do you set up your environment for a better self-image? Well, our environment dictates how we will behave. If we live in a bad neighborhood, we will always be on the watch for crime, right? Crime, of course, happens in good neighborhoods too, but the chances are far less. Environment is going to play an important role when we're trying to set up a positive self-image. The wrong settings are going to make it a lot harder to accomplish. So I'm going to give you a few tips to create an environment that raises your chances of success. Start with meditation. While it's a more of a mental setting, meditation can certainly be a great way to clear your mind. Focus on good mental images and also reduce your stress. The benefits of meditation are numerous. For instance, people who meditate reduce their risk of disease. They tend to be less depressed, they tend to have less anxiety, and maybe the most important benefit is the control of mind that you get out of meditation. It's a crucial aspect to maintaining a positive self-image. Your mind is clearer, your memory is better, and you can focus more easily. Avoid negative people, that's important. If you are constantly surrounded by negative people, it's going to be hard not to get sucked back into that negativity. The very best solution, my friend, is to avoid these people altogether. Obviously, no contact is easier said than done when you have no choice but to deal with them, and sometimes that's on a daily basis. But you've got to do your best in minimizing contact with these people. In the same way, you want to increase exposure to positive people. So if you can't avoid those negative folks, Try increasing your exposure to positive people because it's going to make your life better. Positive people are easier to hang out with, they will be helpful to you and will make you happier overall. They will also point out for you sometimes when you're making negative statements and they'll help you get back to the positive ones. Their positivity becomes addictive. So next up, get your financial situation in order. 
one of the biggest stresses that all of us have in life sometimes comes from not having our financial situations in order. So you've got to take the steps necessary to make sure that this issue is handled in your life. If that means you've got to work more hours or take on a second job, then do it. It's what you've got to do. Don't worry, when you gain a more positive self-image, this will help your work situation and your prospects. It's going to all improve, so you're not going to have to work a whole bunch of extra hours for any extended period. Setting up the foundation that is most optimal for creating a positive self-image because it's going to help you go a long way to provide a better life for yourself and your family if you have one. Okay, now that we got that all cleared up, we're going to talk about being mindful and how you can use it to further help you find your inner peace and your happiness and honestly to create the life that you truly want. Watch this. So let's talk about negative habits and a positive outlook. Look, everybody's been unhappy at one time or another. Yet when we look back at an unhappy time in our lives, we figure out we didn't really want to be there, did we? Did you actually want to be unhappy? See, unhappy people, they don't want to be unhappy. They are just the same as successful, happy people. They want to achieve goals and get where they want to be. They want to make their dreams a reality and they want to change their own personal circumstances in the process. In short, unhappy people want to be happy. So why aren't they? The main reason for this is that unhappiness produces stressful and unhappy emotions. This stress and these emotions combine and create unhappy people. That it causes them to take actions that keep them stuck in that very situation that makes them unhappy. They actually begin to develop the habit of being unhappy. Yeah, you heard that right. Unhappiness can be a habit. So can underproductivity. So can failure. Any negative emotion can and will become habitual if you go through it long enough. Negative emotions produce negative actions which cause negative results. These negatives in turn produce more negative thoughts that reinforce the process. The end result, my friend, is a habitual and cyclical negativity. Habits occur because the brain loves to be economical. See, thinking, it costs calories. Habitual behavior is largely unthinking behavior. So when habits form, the brain becomes more efficient in how it uses energy. This is a biological imperative that developed back in the days when we hunted and gathered for food that was scarce. The more you can autopilot your behavior, the less likely it is that you're going to starve. Breaking negative habitual habits, behaviors, isn't hard if you approach it correctly. The first step is to recognize the negative behavior for what it is. Remember, habits are ingrained unthinking behaviors. Many times people with bad habits aren't even aware that they have them. So if you want to find a negative habit in your life, look for repetitive actions. Are there things that you do time and time again that always turn out badly? There is your negative habitual behavior. Once you identify the bad habit, you can begin to take conscious steps to modify the negative behavior. This means that you act contrary to the way you usually act under those circumstances. In other words, if you usually turn right in any given situation, you force yourself to turn left. 
You do the opposite of what you usually do and the end result is that you begin to break that habitual bad behavior that has been causing you so much trouble. So what, uh, are you supposed to just fake it till you make it? Sort of, and there's some science behind that. Let's discuss that real quick, shall we? So can you achieve happiness by faking it? Let me ask you something, have you ever put a smile on your face when you just weren't feeling it? It's hard to do, but the results are much better than if you frown, my friend. Having been with a narcissist saps our strength and threatens to destroy the happiness that we deserve. Although the word fake implies that you're being deceitful, it might be a good tactic to use when you're feeling down and out and when you need a boost to your well-being. Most of us aren't comfortable with not telling the truth. So faking happiness probably doesn't appeal to you right away, right? But going through the day with a positive outlook, even if you're not feeling it, it can bring you feelings, actual feelings of happiness. It could be because of the way others react toward your demeanor. If you're sad and downcast, others will treat you differently than if you approach them, smiling and self-confident. Several phrases that have developed over time seem to validate faking happiness to achieve it. Grin and bear it and turn your smile upside down are just a couple of cliche phrases that indicate that you should smile when you don't really want to. But eventually those feelings will become real. Dozens of studies have been performed on the subject of happiness. One particularly telling study had people holding a pencil in their teeth causing them to smile. Other people held a pencil with their lips, made, made them frown. Then both groups were asked to look at cartoons. Those who had the fake smiles rated the cartoons so much funnier than those with the frowns, indicating that even fake smiles can cause a higher level of happiness. Of course, another study found that people who had had Botox and therefore had the impaired ability to frown were happier than those who could frown easily. That study also indicates that even a fake smile is better than no smile at all. And those who lack confidence are often advised to fake self-esteem and confidence just to see how it feels. People who act more confidently than they feel are so much better able to project confidence to others. You need to know that you don't need to be happy every second of every day. Having periods of being unhappy can better help you focus on what needs to be changed in your life. So you can recognize happiness when you do find it. Finding a happy balance is really a better way for you to pursue happiness and help you cope with anything that comes your way as you go through recovery. By recognizing the emotions that you're feeling, you're gonna become so much better at coping with them. Okay, now what are you supposed to do when you feel so devastated that you cannot function? You know what I'm talking about. When you just don't even wanna get out of the house or out of the bed. When you're so angry that you feel like your head's gonna explode. When one more freaking text from the narcissist just bleh, makes you lose it. What do you do? How do you deal? Well, watch this. We can deal with difficult emotions using mindfulness. Mindfulness has a great many uses and is often prescribed by self-help gurus, doctors, writers, and other people as a tool that anybody can use to improve their mental health. Often this focuses on the long-term benefits and of being more present and aware. At the same time though, mindfulness can also be used like a scalpel. That is, it helps you to deal with more acute specific problems. 
Here, we're going to look at how it can be leveraged, for instance, to tackle specific emotions as they arise. Let's talk about turning toward our emotions. Normally, when we experience negative emotions, we react either by trying to fight them or by trying to suppress them, especially after abuse. This can be described as almost turning away from our emotions to try to deny them or their power over us. Unfortunately, though, this ultimately results in our becoming more stressed, more upset as the emotions bubble under the surface, or we frustrate ourselves in trying to fight them. Instead, though, mindfulness teaches us to turn toward our emotions. This means that we're going to listen to the thoughts and the feelings, those that we're experiencing, and then we're simply going to be aware of them, acknowledge them. Now we're going to say, I'm stressed, I'm embarrassed, or I'm upset. We're not going to be ashamed or upset that the emotion exists, but we're simply going to recognize that we're currently in that state. People get upset sometimes. People get angry sometimes. But if you're simply aware of your condition, then you can be aware that maybe the thoughts you're thinking aren't completely objective. Even more so, what you should do is keep hold of the knowledge that emotions aren't permanent. In other words, you're feeling angry right now and it shouldn't be taken too seriously. But in, a few, but in a few hours, you will likely feel better and then the world will seem like a brighter place again. This creates a subtle but powerful shift. You're not worried that the world's a terrible place and now you're upset. Now you're upset and therefore the world seems like a terrible place. The difference is that you now know that belief isn't true. Let's talk about debriefing really quickly. Being aware of and accepting your emotions in this way is going to allow you to assess them in a kind of debriefing and to really look at what triggered them in the first place. How did you deal with them and what they made you think and do? The more you break down and intellectualize your emotions, the more you're going to find that you have control over them. How about that? And finally, this leads me to the question of the day. And the question of the day is, now that you're leaving or you've left or you're planning to leave your narcissist, how did you, do you, or will you deal with the stuff that comes next? And what other questions do you have for me regarding life after the narcissist that I can answer for you here on this channel? Let me know and I'll do another video about it in the upcoming weeks. Leave your thoughts, leave your experiences and your ideas in the comment section below and let's talk about it. Let's get a really good discussion going. This is important stuff. Now, if you're still working on leaving, go ahead and go to queenbeing.com plan and pick up your free downloads. There's a, a, a checklist and a guide on how to leave a narcissist and it's free. No login, no subscription required. Just download it. All right. Okay. That's all I've got for you right now. As always, thanks so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And Hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. I'll see you soon. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together.